Happy Wednesday, everybody. Emily Schramm here on Meathead Hippie Podcast. I am going to get nerdy today. This podcast guest is just the best. We had more connections than I realized. And, you know, at first I thought it was just going to be scientific and nerdy. And then he just threw a bomb at me at the end and told me he was a shaman. He was just the perfect meathead hippie. So (laughs) I am just excited to introduce Michael Morgan. Michael is a brilliant therapist, instructor, and creator of the Longevity Prescription for treating and reversing the effects of Alzheimer's and dementia. And I just am thrilled to bring his expertise. I'm going to link his TED Talks. I'm going to link his interview with the, you you guys know, um, chicken, chicken noodle soup for the soul. I think, shoot, I so said that wrong. Chicken soup for the soul. uh, Shoot. If you're saying it right now, I wish I could hear you, but he interviewed with him and there's a great video link to that. You just are going to love it. I think it's great to know that you know, especially in such a heavy topic, you know, with Alzheimer's or dementia and brain health, there are things that we can do now, whether it's with epigenetics that I talked about in a former podcast with Alex or with just eating the right foods that we can help our body prevent the aging process that we think it's so natural for us. So for someone that is fascinated by the brain and wants to make sure my brain is healthy and lasts forever, so that I can keep creating things for you guys. I uh, was just thrilled to have him on. So this is Michael Morgan. I hope you enjoy. Just some quick notes. The next 21 Day Challenge is going to be on January 2nd. So be sure you sign up. There's going to be some fun twists and add-ins, some of some old videos, some new. But the meal plan is all new. It's $21 for 21 days just to cut sugar, cut gluten, dairy optional. And I'll have a keto meal plan and vegetarian meal plan available as well. So just the best $21 you can spend. You're going to love it. And I also am um, curating a Barbella box. So if you want a box of things that I put together for CrossFitters or non-CrossFitters, anyone could do awesome things with this box. It's like everything that I love, be sure to go to barbellabox.com because I am curating their December box and there's only 10, nine more days to get it. So make sure you get it. It's one month and then it's out. It's gone forever. So I am excited to partner with Barbella Box for that. And I think that's all the announcements I have. I want to dig into this. So enjoy. Welcome Michael Morgan. (laughs) I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. Michael Morgan, I just am blown away by your work and I think it's so important. I know this is something that is going to touch a lot of people's hearts and I hope it inspires people to learn more about the brain and Alzheimer's and all the things that we're going to dig into today. It's just such a pleasure to have you on Meathead Hippie. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Can you, let's just start with who you are and how this became, how Alzheimer's and prevention of Alzheimer's became your, your thing. Yeah. Well, as a former meathead hippie, it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> I, love I love hearing that. <laughs> we can get into the hippie stuff later. How about okay. that? <laughs> okay. 
Well, it's a pretty typical story. Um, I had no intention to be involved. I've been teaching cranial sacral therapy for the Upledger Institute for about 20 years. It's a very simple technique that you can use to blend with your mind and body to increase the flow of cerebral spinal fluid and basically just helps the body feel better. And um, what happened is my stepmother and sister-in-law both died of Alzheimer's. So that's what got me involved. And I thought, you know, this cranial psychotherapy that I teach, which is good for closed head injuries and headaches and hormonal problems, digestive disorders, concussions. I thought, well, maybe it could also help with Alzheimer's as well. So that's why I got drawn into about 15 years ago now. I love that. So CST, yep. uh, what you kind of, the acronym for this therapy, Tell, can you, can we just jump into what that even is? Yeah. I would love to know. I have no idea what this is. Okay, good. So uh, my mentor, Dr. John Upledger, in the mid-1970s, he's an osteopath. Okay. Cranial sacral therapy comes from the old-timey osteopath tradition back in, all the way back to A.T. Still, who in 1893 in Kirksville, Missouri. That's year, where I was born and raised. Get out of here. Oh, my God. I, I was like, A.T. Still? Wait, this sounds familiar. I was born in Kirksville, Missouri. Well, there you go. That's where Dr. Upledger, my mentor, went to school. That's where A.T. Still started the first college of medicine, osteopathic yeah. medicine, 1893, and there are still relatives of AT still in that community. KCOM. That's right. Oh, that's so cool. It's about an hour and a half from where I live in Iowa. So it all started from where you were born, coincidentally or not, which there's a lot of coincidences in cranial psych. Isn't that crazy? That is so crazy. Yeah, oh, yeah. I yeah. love that. Okay, continue. So uh, a brief history. <laughs> so AT still, um, his uh, kids and uh, family all died of uh, uh, basically mercury poisoning because they died of spinal meningitis. But at the time, they said administer mercury. That's what they thought would be the good thing to do in the 1870s. He, he was like a Civil War surgeon. Oh, wow. So he went through a, a lot of introspection, and he finally decided, he says, you know, I think the body is its own natural pharmacy. And if we can learn to respectfully listen to the body, maybe the body could begin to heal itself. So here we are, 130 years later, whatever, coming full circle. And A.T. Still had a star student by the name of Sutherland in the early 1900s that developed cranial osteopathy, touching the bones of the head. Then my mentor, Dr. John F. Pledger, in the 1960s, coincidentally, went to school at Kirksville because his family doctor was an osteopath. He said, go to Kirksville. He goes, where's that? There you go. <laughs> Northeast Missouri. For everyone that's listening, I mean, it's a small little dot on the Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And do you live there now or still in a different place in Missouri? Yeah. So when I go back home, so today I'm flying back home, I go to St. Louis. So as mm -hmm. soon as I graduated high school, um, my whole family kind of relocated because that's where they were originally from was St. Louis. My parents yeah. both met there at Truman State. It wasn't Truman State, but that's where they um, met and that's where I was born. So I I just lived there for 18 years. Well, that's where my parents went in St. Louis. That's so cool. I love it. And then it. they moved to LA. So we got a lot. Of, isn't that crazy? That's it's like generation, even with gaps in generation, that's, yeah, they moved in St. Louis and then they moved to LA where there were palm trees and it was warmer, right? So there you yep. go. Yep. I can yeah. understand that. Oh, cool. I love so it. Dr. So Dr. Upledger looked at the research that AT still did in Sutherland and he said, you know, I'm going to study this a little more deeply. And he ended up at Michigan State University uh, in Lansing, Michigan in the mid-1970s, did a lot of research, and developed what we call the modern form of cranial psychotherapy. 
So from the mid-1985 uh, till 2012, when he passed away, he was 80 when he passed away, he developed a lot of different applications for kids with autism, which I've done a lot with, kids with cerebral palsy, uh, people with digestive disorders, closed head injuries, any variety of things, and it has had some really good success. In fact, the Uplaser Institute now has affiliates in 57 different countries around the world. Wow. I just spent about uh, 10 days in Moscow at the end of uh, October because they don't really have a medical system per se, but when I go there, it's half osteopaths and half neurologists, and what I'm doing makes complete sense to them. Wow. So it's kind of interesting that basically Dr. Upledger is all about self-empowering people and allowing people to give them the information to heal themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and he was brilliant as a uh, an osteopath and physician, but also as a jazz musician. Oh, what did he play? Played the piano. Ah, oh, I love and in jazz. Fact, he, he developed the, the thought that we have so much intelligence in our hands. He would be studying for medical school and playing the piano. While he was, he had the medical books in front of him while he was playing piano. And his group would say, John, what are we just playing? He goes, I don't know. Let my hands figure it out. And he realized that the hands had as much intelligence as the brain. And so that's what he's taught to people, how to use your hands, whether it's someone that has any medical training or not. So listen to this cranial rhythm which is kind of like the heartbeat of the respiratory. It's a little more subtle. Mm -hmm. And basically what we're doing is listening to the flow of cerebral spinal fluid that pushes the brain in and out very subtly, like 40 microns to a millimeter and the head. And all we do is listen to places in the body where things feel tight and where they feel loose and where they feel loose. We'll do a series of techniques to loosen things up. And so uh, for the longest time when I was teaching cranial psychotherapy based on what Dr. Upledger did, um, I realized that after my relatives died of Alzheimer's, I thought, you know, I wonder if this cranial psycho could help with this. Yeah. And one of our basic lectures said that there's always a turnover of cerebral spinal fluid. And one of my uh, nurse practitioner friends at University of Iowa, which is a big teaching hospital in Iowa City in, in Iowa, they said, you know what, we've researched this, and we realize that, and Dr. Upledger notices too, as people get older, um, their flow of cerebrospinal fluid begins to lessen a lot of times in middle age, whatever that is now. In fact, a lot of physicians will say without even training this, say, yeah, you know, sometimes we'll look at MRIs, the brain shrinks, right? Mm -hmm. Well, my nursing friends found that what happens is that when people have senile dementia, their flow of cerebrospinal fluid is 75% less than a normal adult. So mm -hmm. literally the brain shrinks. Like when I did my TED talk that you just looked at, mm -hmm. uh, an Alzheimer's brain looks like kind of a shrunken walnut, like a shrunken head, mm -hmm. and it needs moisturizer. But because we can't get a moisturizer in the head and it doesn't seep through, what the cranial sacrotherapy does, this thing called a still point and other techniques, actually boosts the volume of cerebrospinal fluid and it allows simply that flow of cerebral spinal fluid to increase. Got and the it. Way, way I explained it in my TED Talk, I had seven minutes. They said, congratulations, you got a TED Talk. I thought I'd have 18 minutes. They go, no, you got seven, <laughs> right? So what can you do, do to explain in seven minutes cerebral spinal fluid, Alzheimer's, inflammation in the brain, and cranial psychotherapy? So I used the analogy of a river. And I said, you know, just like a river is flowing uh, fully, then it starts to dry up the water table gets lower. Then when it gets so dry, all the mud and sludge and silt gunks everything up. That's what happens with Alzheimer's. It's like the, the amyloid plaque entangles 
basically create toxins. And when that happens, then you get the memory problems. And new researchers, researchers at the University of Rochester and others, have discovered a new part of the brain called the glymphatic system. There's glial cells inside the brain. Mm -hmm. These people got a, a Nobel Prize for this just a few years ago. So this is very modern science, even for most doctors. And they're saying the brain is more effective than we thought in, uh, in releasing toxins especially during sleep, it's 60% more effective. But as you may know, maybe not people your age, but a lot of people, as they get older, they don't sleep very well. Even, even younger people, they're just so wired, they can't sleep. Mm -hmm. But about 60% of the drainage of the brain and the lymphatic system occurs during sleep. Wow. sacral therapy is a way to chill people out so they actually can get a deeper sleep as well and make the brain, the drainage in the brain more effective. So is this somebody, is this someone laying on a table? Um, is that really what it's, it's just kind of a series of points and touches and taps and yeah. Okay. Got it. Well, they can lie on a table, but uh, people in nursing homes, that's a long trip from sitting to lying down. So you can True. do it just with your hands on their shoulders and induce a still point and do cranial that way as well. Oh, so cool. we can be flexible enough. We're doing a study at a nursing home in Ohio, a place called Overland College. We're just starting this, uh, in the next two, two weeks, we're getting 12 volunteers and most of the time, we'll probably be treating just at the shoulders. And we're documenting by a series of, of standard scientific tests how we can improve their memory even over seven weeks. Seven weeks? Pretty, oh yeah. Gosh. Yeah, it's wow. pretty exciting. Very cool. So for you and the whole TED Talk, which I'll link, um, the stance of, you know, people say a family member or themselves or someone they know has been affected by dementia or Alzheimer's and there's just nothing they can do. And right. for you, you're coming in and saying there's actually lots of things that we can do. Well, and yes, and here's the politics. Uh, the American Alzheimer's Association will tell you there's no known cure for Alzheimer's, which is true. And I've been saying for the last 10 years, Alzheimer's is preventable and even reversible. And now uh, doctors like Dale Bredesen, who are functional medicine doctors, Doctors who believe that food is medicine and supplements can help heal the brain besides drugs. Mm -hmm. They're starting to say, they are also starting to say, you know, we think even with the right changes in diet, that Alzheimer's could be preventable and even reversible. So the doctors, of which I'm not, but I teach doctors, doctors are starting to say, maybe this is preventable and even reversible. Mm -hmm. Now, what they're saying is in their studies in nine out of 10 patients over several months, maybe 10 months, they can see signs of reversal, which is great. Even that, that's like a miracle. And I'm starting to say in our original studies in nursing homes, we noticed after three weeks changes and after six weeks, statistical and clinical changes. And we're replicating that right now with scores of therapists that have taken my advanced training. Mm. And so, Basically, we can cut their time frame, even of changing diet, which is part of my prescription, from 10 months down to maybe three to four months or 12 to 16 weeks. Wow. So if you add changes in diet and a little exercise to the cranial sacral, you're really stacking the cards in your favor. I love it. Let's get into diet first because I, yes. I, I think there's like two pieces that I kind of want to um talk out with you because I yeah. initially think of that dried river, the mud, the, the gunk, yeah. and I think of, you know, the myelin sheath. And then I think of what is that composed of and fatty acids. So I would love to talk about your take on fats or a higher fat diet promoting yeah. a healthy baseline. 
Okay, great. Cool. Okay, so for you, do you think that people are starving their brain by eating low fat? Um, let me back up a step or two. Okay. Perfect. First of all, I started with brain inflammation and realized the immune system's out of whack. And that's a problem. I'm just following in what Dr. Opledger had said years ago, 20 years ago. And then I realized, I talked to one of my associates, and he says, you might want to look at a book by Mark Hyman called The Blood Sugar Solution. Mark Hyman is now the president of the Institute for Functional Medicine. And one of the things he noticed, a lot of functional medicine doctors are starting to call Alzheimer's type 3 diabetes. So I started to read his book, ignored it for a year after I read it because I realized it applied to me as well as my patients. Then I realized I had to start getting my act together. And basically, one of the things that one of my researchers, uh, a guy at the American Alzheimer's Association in Southern California, he was on the board of directors, he says, you know, Mike, about 40% of people in an Alzheimer's unit have diabetes, which a lot of people don't know. And I go, really? And I verified that kind of informally over the years. And I asked someone in a nursing home, and they kind of think, and they count the number of beds and patients. And they go, yeah, that's about right. So what's up with that? What's the connection? What it is, is the standard American diet, or SAD, standard American diet. Uh, it's so full of sugars that sugars in high concentrations are toxic because there's sugar in everything. Mm -hmm. And then carbohydrates. Um, there's, a, there's a fellow uh, that wrote a book called uh, Wheat Belly. Mm -hmm. William Davis, and he basically says the way they have genetically engineered the bread, when you eat a couple of slices of bread, it can raise the blood sugar as much as two tablespoons of sugar. So between the carbohydrates and the sugars, that can raise insulin level, which makes it uh, less effective for the body to absorb energy. And then in a certain number of cases, thankfully not all, but in a certain number of cases, over decades, this doesn't happen overnight, over decades, the inflammation overflows into the brain. So the insulin resistance in the body eventually overflows in the brain, and that's why 40% of people have, uh, with diabetes have Alzheimer's. Mm. So it's an inflammatory process, and the immune system reacts to all that excess inflammation as an invader. So that's what starts to degradate the brain. And we feel that it's that inflammation that also starts to lower that flow of cerebral spinal fluid. Mm. So when things get gunked up and all these hundreds of millions of microchannels in the brain and the lymphatic system, it creates an opportunistic infection. Things start to clog up. Mm. So diet, maybe not all cases, but probably 40 50% of the time, that's part of what can happen with brain problems. And I realized when we did our initial study in nursing homes in the early 2000s that when you look at the medical records of people with Alzheimer's, they actually have had these, what I call these diseases of aging, maybe brewing for 10 or 20 or more years. They have diabetes, they have cardiovascular, they have osteoporosis, um, um, any number of arthritis, anything with an ITIS on the end, an itis that inflammation starts to aggravate the body. And then at some point, the body just gets overwhelmed and it goes, okay, we're going to the brain, mm -hmm. even though the body's trying to. So when you look, it's not like one day you wake up with Alzheimer's like you have the flu. All of it, it's been brewing mm -hmm. for years. So that's why functional medicine doctors are starting to say diet's so important. So they're focused on the diet part, which is part of my body energy longevity prescription, which is diet, exercise, and cranial. Mm -hmm. But, it's kind of like 
in California when you have forest fires, right? First thing that happens, inflammation is like a forest fire. They send in the tankers. They try to contain the blaze. That's equivalent to cranial sickle coming in and stopping the momentum. And then they send in the smoke jumpers trying to remove the dry brush. That's equivalent to the food that's bad for you. Mm -hmm. So if you remove the dry brush, then that fire isn't continuing to be fueled, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you go in, even though the fire is, you know, actually uh, degraded in an area, you can actually reseed the forest. All of these are techniques through stem cells, imaging, and other things we can do in cranial sacral therapy. Mm -hmm. So if you look at all this together, what functional medicine says is epigenetics means that even if you have a genetic predisposition for Alzheimer's, you can turn off the genes that are detrimental to you and turn on the ones which will more promote your a healthier life. Which is amazing because when you look at anti-inflammatory pathways, it all really comes down to the nutrients that we can produce through the foods that we eat, Yes, um, which is so cool. So for me, especially when I have you know, and if, if I eat a food that I know I'm sensitive to, not allergic to, but I definitely have a food sensi sensitivity to, is that the same, you know, when, when you talk about interleukins, like interleukin six, mm -hmm. and yes. how it basically triggers your brain to go through this, there's an invader, there's something I need to do Out, outside of um, changing the food that we eat. What, right. what supplements do you suggest for somebody that has kind of that brain on fire? Well, what a doc does that's functional medicine doctor is very specific. They'll do a whole series of blood tests, just like I got the other day for a re-exam. Mm -hmm. And they'll look at specifically what is specific for you. Mm -hmm. But in general, besides food, which, and different people have different sensitivities. Some people can get away with eating anything, mm -hmm. especially if they're younger, but it catches up to them over time. But some people, maybe not, because their immune system isn't as, shall we say, robust. Mm -hmm. Then there's all the environmental stressors and factors that are there in our food supply, GMOs and all that, which, which makes more work for the body to function in an optimal way. Mm -hmm. But having said that, things like coenzyme Q10, alpha-lymphoic acid, mm -hmm. curcumin, any kind of a Indian diet where they have turmeric, uh, cumin like that, anything like that that helps reduce the inflammatories, even spices in your food. Mm -hmm can help to a certain degree. So some diets are more supportive. So anything that's uh, anti-inflammatory in nature, some people say garlic is good, you know, things like that. Things that you can actually mix into what you're already eating or you can take supplements to help. Uh, omegas, I, I take omega-369 every day, uh, certain things like that, curcumin, um, that kind of thing. Uh, reversitrol is another one, resveratrol. I love so cer certain things like that seem to help. And part of why, besides eating food that may be not great for you, part of what's called glycotoxic factors, which other functional medicine doctors have identified, sometimes it's not so much the food we're eating that's not good, but it's just that we're not getting the vitamins and minerals we need and then hormonal balance is thrown off. So that can be another factor. Mm -hmm. Or maybe there's just too much toxicity. Maybe you have heavy metals in the body. Yeah, or, or vascular or even toxicity like concussions where we've done independent research on that as well. Can we dig, can we talk about that? So that's yeah. actually, I was going to tell you a little bit. Um, my listeners know this because I've talked about this before, but I've had 
uh, quite a few serious concussions, which mm. is how I got into brain health and why I think I am so reactive. I don't know if it's what caused my gut issues at a young kid, as a young kid, or if I just was always kind of prone to it based on my genetics and mm -hmm. my inflammatory pathways, but really sensitive to certain foods and also mm -hmm. really since like when I decided to eat more fat and change my diet, it yep. was, I mean, it was night and day. It was right, right. to happy. So that's why I'm so passionate about this kind of functional way of thinking of like mm -hmm. food can do so much. So I want to talk about what it, what, this kind of stuff does CST for concussions and kind of your research on that. Right. Well, um, what happened, by the way, I have a great therapist for you outside of Denver. That's great. Oh. I did an intensive class there. She's wonderful. Okay, cool. Um, but uh, what happened with the concussion program is a couple of years ago, there was an NFL player named Ricky Williams and he's 37 now. And he got together uh, a group of his buddies who are NFL players, some as old as I am, you know, in 60s, 70s. And uh, we got a group together at our institute in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, where Upledger is based. And he said, let's do a one week intensive study, just one week uh, of uh, five to seven hours a day. And he got these fellows to come from all over the country. And we wanted to study and see if in a week we could get some significant results. And uh, one of the therapists, Gail Wetzler, who's of course located outside of Denver, who teaches something called visceral manipulation and adjunctive techniques to cranial psychotherapy, uh, actually got her PhD in physical therapy to help do the research. So this is about two years ago, and I happen to be R Ricky's uh, therapist personally. We had a team of people for each one of these five guys. So these NFL players showed up. Now, I'm not really a sports guy per se. A lot of us weren't, but I'll tell you, um, I have so much respect now for NFL players because you have to be really smart to be an NFL. You have to know what's going on. Mm. But, of course, these guys get paid a lot of money to get the bejesus knocked out of their head, funnily enough. Yeah. So what we found is that um, when we do the concussion study, it's as if the brain, and this is why, the reason I got interested in the concussion is that the brain scans of people uh, that have chronic traumatic encephaly or concussions often over years look a lot like Alzheimer's brains. So mm -hmm. I thought if we could work with concussion studies and people that had celebrity, maybe the 5.4 million people that don't have celebrity, people would start to pay attention because they could see what we were doing. So Ricky, uh, who's very open to cranial psychotherapy, um, had taken some basic courses himself, said, let's study this and see. And so over five days, we have the published study now. I can send you the information. Oh, please do. Yeah. Link. Uh, basically, we found that we got some very significant results. One of the things that you find with these guys who have concussions, it looks a little bit like post-traumatic stress. Like they're almost like Iraqi war vets or something because they have been through a lot. When you get repeatedly concussed. Some of these guys may have had maybe over a thousand concussions. What happens is the brain gets rattled and that whole lymphatic system that I mentioned full of glial cells that hold, it's like, think of this, think of the neurons in the brain as like Christmas tree lights. Okay. Yeah. And all the wires and cabling that hold the lights together. That's the lymphatic system. That's the stuffing that holds the neurons in place. Hmm. There's 10 billion neurons, but there's a hundred billion glial cells. And science has only studied the neurons for the last 100 years. They've kind of like haven't really looked at the other 90% of the brain. <laughs> so you might think that's important, right? 
right? Yeah. yeah. So when you look <laughs> at that networking and you get more fluid flow and more nourishment, the brain can actually start to heal itself. It's called neuroregenerative, hmm. neuroplasticity. And we've seen that over time where people not only can reorganize their brain, but they shed the trauma. Because as you know, if, if you've been through that in a trauma, it's going to be very discombobulating, scientifically speaking, to the head, right? It can be very disoriented. So when you shed that kind of jangledness out of the nervous system, the brain can start to reorganize. So we've got some very good results for that. And the NFL is looking at, now that we've done that study, we're getting invited to concussion conferences. And basically, my one-week Alzheimer's study that we're going to do next August in Palm Beach is patterned after this concussion study where we're going to get the best people flying in because not only can we get results over seven weeks just by individual therapists working 10 to 15 minutes a day, we're documenting again. But we found, at least a couple times now, if we can get someone with dementia, even at mid-stage, and do a five-day program intensively with a lot of people over eight hours a day, we may be able to shift people from mid-stage to early stage in five days, which is quite remarkable. Wow. What are the things you're testing, like the before and afters? What are your markers? There is a standard test. It's a Minnesota test and other tests that, fortunately, I have a Ph.D., in, uh, who spent 20 years in Alzheimer's testing. So there's a standardized test that you can administer to someone. And out of 30 points, you can tell, are they a 26 or is there 18, which is more late-stage dementia. They draw a clock. And it's funny, it's called the clock test, where you draw a clock, and if you're very, very scrambled, you can't, it, it's all, it looks like a dolly painting. It's all scrambled and smeared. Mm. Uh, you connect the dots with numbers. There's verbal things. So there's standard ways you can tell how well the brain is functioning. So we're going to do that test before and after in our seven-week individual study, but also do it at the Upland Institute for a one-week study as well Wow! to measure the results. So we can show to the scientific community, hey, there's something here that you might want to look at that's pretty significant. For sure. Oh, this is fun. For... Um the, you know, the 23andMe and nutrition genome testing that tests for early onset yes. Alzheimer's. Yes. Do, you find that, do you find that to be any sort of accurate or do you think it's more about the lifestyle and the concussions and the, like, how accurate do you think that actually is? Or do you think? Well, I, I think we need to take a cue from science and look at genetic testing. Um, the, 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 gen, the, the specific gene that you're speaking about, uh, if you don't have it, so they say, scientific researchers, you have about a 9% chance of contracting Alzheimer's. If you have one set of the gene, you have a 30%. And if you have both sets, two sets, you have a 60% chance. So having said that, even with that, epigenetics says if you can turn off the genes that are detrimental and turn on the ones through diet, exercise, and supplements, you can at least minimize the effect. And David Perlmutter who wrote a book called Grain Brain, you know, who's a functional medicine doc. Uh, hopefully I will do a podcast with him soon. Yeah. He doesn't know. All these people know about diet. They don't know about the cranial sacral piece. Mm -hmm. So we're saying it's not really a competition. We're just adding to and accelerating the process because we have an effective way to clear the brain toxins, which is based on the newest leading edge science. Funnily enough, starting in Kurt Spill, Missouri, but here we are, <laughs> 2017, with the newest science from the last 10 years. But we can say, yeah, if we can clear the brain, uh, it can definitely help with concussions. 
And if you ever saw that movie, Concussions, with Will Smith, did you mm -hmm. see that movie? Of course, yeah. Not everyone has seen that. Well, Dr. Vincent Amalu, who's really one of my heroes, he's the fellow that discovered through concussions, you know, I think he was in Philadelphia. He got ran out of town, basically. He took a lot of heat. Now he's actually had enough influence that has changed the protocol with the way NFL and other sports are looking at concussions. But I'm kind of like Dr. Amalo doing this for Alzheimer's because a lot of people may not want to hear that there's a non-pharmaceutical approach. And just uh, about a week ago, Bill Gates, who started Microsoft, said he's going to donate $100 million of his personal fortune towards Alzheimer's research. Wow. And he feels that it's going to take eight or nine years and maybe 70 to $80 million to get results. But here's the backdrop. Other people will tell you that $70, 80000000000 billion has been spent over the last 10 years without much effect. And I'm saying, and, I, and I'm writing a proposal to Bill Gates right now, I'm actually saying I, I messengered him because my daughter finally told me how to use uh, Messenger and Facebook. Actually, I'm <laughs> quite a bit now. But I said, Bill, even if I had 1% of that funding, we could show you through advanced brain imaging and other testing we're already doing an appreciable result, even with 1% of what you want to spend. So that's a pretty radical thing to say, that basically our new, uh, the way we're just starting to think about this, is our new program for aging says that it doesn't necessarily need to be pharmaceutical, excuse me very much, but you can use changes in diet and exercise, and you can teach each person in one or two days how to do these techniques so they can work on their loved ones. Mm. Or they can go to one of our therapists. or if they like, they can go to our advanced program and even accelerate the results. So there's lots of resources where people can be self-empowered. And Jack Hanfield, if you ever heard of him, Chicken Soup for the Soul? Yes. When he interviewed me last March, he said, Mike, he says, there are three things I like about your program. He said, one, it's affordable. Two, it's easily learned. And three, it's scalable. Meaning we have enough people in the world and we can train people quickly enough to start to significantly reduce the, the deaths from Alzheimer's in the next five years, which is one of my goals. Mm. Audacious, but it's like, could it be that simple? Mm. That's the missing piece. So I appreciate you having me on because I'm just trying to educate people to say, there may be something when you add it to something else that can really accelerate the results and it can't hurt anybody. Mm. If it doesn't work, it can't hurt anybody. And we'll get into this a little bit more at the end, but for people, until your book comes out, next in 2018 how do people learn these techniques where can they find um what it even looks like and how they can start doing this for people at home you know what's the first step for them well there is a book already out i'm just changing the title oh good so, yeah because <laughs> that was jack canfield's idea that the book is its title right now is the body energy longevity prescription got it Manual sacral therapy helps prevent alzheimer's dementia while improving the quality of your life so that's been out for four years. Jack said, that's too complicated. He said, <laughs> so we looked at different titles and he says, just call it prevent Alzheimer's in 10 minutes a day. I love the it. Body energy longevity. So we're, we're actually, I, I'm, in, I'm looking at the proofs coming right now and retitling it and we're launching just with a new preface and some other things, but it's the same information. Perfect. Okay. So so people that. can go to my website and they can get information on getting the book. Uh, the DVD that I made, webinars, and even the two-day training that I'm teaching around the country. I love it. Days. Yeah. And it's preventingalzheimers.com? Yes. It's all Perfect. one word. Yeah. 
Yeah. I love it. Well, that's one thing we haven't talked about, and this is important considering my podcast is called Meathead Hippie. Yes. Um, let's get into the meathead piece of this. So talk, let's talk about exercise and, you know, just kind of the research you found and movement and the, the dopamine pathways and how it really does light our brain up in such a positive way. Well, when you think about it, there, there's one uh, little program I've been in. It's called Whole, uh, Whole Life Challenge. Mm-hmm. It was started by CrossFit people. I'm in a team in LA and they believe that again, exercise and diet and other things can help. And it's really simple. It's like when you think about aging, aging is a function of creakiness and the less creaky you are, the young you'll always, you know, occur, occur to be. So you want uh, more strength and metabolic pathways, right? So the cranial sacral therapy can help clear the brain and diet can help actually start to change the metabolic pathway. But the beauty part about exercise, it doesn't need to be a big thing, even a half hour a day of light walking, raising the metabolism like that. It just actually clears out the metabolic pathways so things can be clear. It's that simple. Plus, you do get endorphins. You do feel better. And uh, the newest study I like to quote from all places, the London School of Economics, like what do they know about exercise? (laughs) But they said basically 30 minutes of just light walking a day and exercise can help contribute and significantly lower the risk of A1C, which is a level of blood sugars, can actually start to lower that and regulate. And people who exercise on a regular basis probably have less risk factors for memory, things like Alzheimer's as well. Mm. So, and there's been a ton of research on exercise. But when you look at it, something simpler like that, we kind of know intuitively that we feel better when we exercise, right? Because you get endorphins and it clears things out. And I'm saying in a premium program someday that I love to do in a beautiful place like Costa Rica, people could go away for one week and they could learn to meditate. I've been a TM teacher for 40 years as well. They can learn to meditate. They can learn cranial sacral. They can learn about diet. They can get coaching on exercise and learn all these life-changing modalities that can help change their life. Uh-huh. But exercise is great because when you find that most people do, it just gets the body moving and clears the toxins out of the, uh, you know, out of the body. So in my book, I have references on that. On my webinar, I talk about that. There's all these possibilities for exercise that simply just make us feel better. It's well, first off, it's really funny. I just got back from a little retreat in Costa Rica and I could have used you for the meditation and for the CST. <laughs> I, I had the exercise part down, but I didn't have the meditation. Yeah. Part. yeah. Um, and it's interesting what you said earlier about sleep, how that's 60% of our, um, like that's where the toxicity gets out of our brain. It's like the body, the brain needs to rest. Yeah. So when it shuts down, that's when the drainage occurs. And cranial sacral therapy, when you get on the table and have an hour-long session, the, the first thing almost anybody feels, whether they're old or young, is just deeply chilled and relaxed. They go like, I don't know what you did, but I'm in another zone because they feel so relaxed. That parasympathetic state. Yes, yeah. exactly, which is parasympathetic, helps encourage rest and repair, reproductive activity. When it's sympathetic, you're kind of jacked up. You need that certain times, but you need the other to rest and recuperate. Mm. So cranial sacral therapy helps reset our thermostat so we can get a deeper rest as well. I love that. Um, and my, the people listening, a lot of them have tried the challenge that I do. I run it where they just do 10 minutes a day. And I mm. think that it's just such a difference of movement because 
especially when you don't get good sleep, if you're in a cycle of not getting enough sleep, being smart about the exercise you do when you're sleep deprived is important, but also like getting your sleep regulated can be just moving a little bit more, how it kind of balances each other out. Do you, have you ever played around with, um, there's a company. So my teacher, John Jenis, who taught, who was my nutritional therapy teacher and also taught me a lot about some applied kinesiology. Have you ever looked at oils for the brain? It's not necessarily the essential oils in the way that you think of peppermint is good for being awake and memory. It's their actual brain oils. So there's an oil called brain deflame from Mayo Energetics. Have you ever used essential oils like cumin or anything like that? I I have a a lady friend that lives in Canada and she is the essential oil aromatherapy specialist, right? Yeah. Now, here's why this is important. Look at your nose, like your nose, okay? At the very base of your nose and right here between um, your forehead and your uh, nasal bone, this is where about 30 to 50% of all cerebrospinal fluid is processed and filtered out of the brain. And there's a structure inside the brain called the cribriform plates. So like little holes right here. Okay. So they take molecules of air and aroma and it's like a straight shot into the brain. That's why when you're smelling, whether you registered or not, when you intake those aromatherapies, it actually can have a, a really profound effect, good or bad, in influencing the brain. So what they found is certain oils, and I'm not an expert on all of these, but it would be good to know some more, like you mentioned. This is adjunctive, and it can help as well. It can help clear out and, I think, enable the toxins. I don't know how much research has been done on that per se, but it's very encouraging because it's a straight shot into the brain from the nose. Yeah, and it it smells good. It's like instantly uplifts your mood. Yes. I'm going to connect you with them. It's an MEO Energetics, and he, his work is really fascinating. A lot of the names you've mentioned, he's also worked under. So I think you guys would hit it off really well. I want to make sure you get some of those oils just so you can have fun with them. Yeah, great. great. I, I definitely use them when I am a little bit. You know that brain fog that you get when you're yes. just like groggy? Um, it's the one thing that outside of turmeric that really helps kind of like snap me back. So that's helpful. Um well, this is awesome. I would love, I mean, for you to come on to Meet a Hippie, it just makes me really happy. And you said you are a meathead hippie at heart, yeah. so that also makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fun to find people from Midwest, too, that think the same way and are doing such amazing work because Midwest is, like, full of the nicest people in the world. So this is just really, really fun. Um, um, I actually grew up in California, but because of the meditation community in Iowa, I moved here. I moved from Redondo Beach to Iowa. Usually it's the opposite. Ah, so meditation, do you ever do, I need to take your course. Do you have like an online course I can take about this? Uh, it's not online. It's called Transcendental Meditation. I've been teaching okay. that for 40 years. Do you uh, know who, um, sorry to interrupt, do you, no, know, no. Who, do you know who Sean, Sean Croxton is? Uh, doesn't ring a bell. Doesn't know okay. I haven't heard that. Doesn't ring a bell. Yeah. I think he knows who you are. We were just talking about this recently. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's CM centers all over the world, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a pretty active one in Denver. So it's just a great way, 20 minutes a day, to help clear toxins out of the brain, and it helps reinforce everything else we're talking about. Just as one modality, for example. I love it. Okay, cool. I'll make sure I do it. And outside of preventing Alzheimer's dot com and i'm going to link the ted talk that you did i also want to link jack canfield's interview with you because i thought it was so great and how can you not love jack canfield so that right that great. great well it's right there on my website you click on that you click on my ted talk also uh facebook 
uh, my Michael Morgan Facebook, um, and Preventing Alzheimer's Facebook as well. Okay, perfect. Have, as well as Twitter, um, uh, my, at G. Michael Morgan, I think it is. I should know. Okay. That's and, I'm, and I'm also doing more on my YouTube videos. I'm doing, I found a way to transfer my Facebook live interviews to YouTube. Perfect. I have an archive of those, so you can go on Michael Morgan uh, YouTube as well. Awesome. I'll make sure I link all of this. This is so wonderful. I think um, it's just good stuff to know, especially now in spreading the goodness. So I hope if you guys, if this touched you, share it. Uh, get, let's get the word out. I have one more question for you, Michael. Um, and this is what I ask all my guests. Do you have a spirit animal? Yes, I do. You do? What is your spirit animal? I can't tell. But let's just say I have, well, I'm a shamanic practitioner as well. Oh, so no I do journey. Way. Yeah, I studied, studied under Sandra Ingerman. So, uh, what? That's it. yeah, yeah. So I've been doing that for years as well. I don't always talk about that, but that's, yeah, it's wonderful. It's like the magic of nature. That's amazing. So for, um, to kind of satisfy that piece of it, I mean, that's a big, that's quite two different yeah. worlds, right? Do you, is the meditation enough for you to feel like you could tap into that? Yeah. In fact, I think it enhances everything. Wow. And I've been doing the shamanic work for like 20 years. You know, it just comes up. It's like, it's that instrumentality which gives us a connection to how nature moves. And it's always a little magical and it's always a little unexpected. That's how you know it's authentic. It's like, I couldn't have come up, set up at night and, uh, you know, come up with some of the stuff that comes from that. Yeah. But it's our connection with the body and nature as well. And a lot of healers, even A.T. Still, back in Kirksville, one of the stories was he actually hung out with Native Americans. And that's how he got a feeling for natural healing practices. So even back then, I think, at least according to the lore about him, that's where he learned some of this, got his appreciation for using his hands. Wow. I don't even know where I would begin. Where, where did that journey for you begin to, to be into the shamanic practices? What was that? Uh, it was, I was just doing cranial work. Oh, I know what it was. I had a client. This is how that works. And she brought me a book. And she goes, here. And I saw this smeary cover and it looked really weird. And I said, thank you very much. <laughs> and I put the, you know, and I put the book up on the, uh, on my bookshelf for about six months. Then I took it down and started reading it. And I go like, this is pretty weird. I don't know if I can do it. But then by coincidence, there's another gal that lived three houses down from me that was doing that work. And I started to work with her. And just one thing unfolded after another. I had no, it was just like the Alzheimer's disease. I had no intention yeah. of getting involved. I just got drawn into it. So sometimes nature just taps us on the shoulder and says, "No, this is part of. This is on your T-shirt. You're supposed to be doing this." So yeah, I call it the beautiful accident, right? Yes, life is all a beautiful accident. Yeah. What do you remember? What the book was? Yeah, it's a book called Soul Retrieval with Sandra Ingerman. I and there's another one by Michael Harner. It's called The Way of the Shaman. Okay. So those are two. They have an institute. He has an institute out in California. And they're, they're one of the places that has been teaching this now for decades. Hmm. So Sandra, who's in New Mexico, and, and Michael, who I think is still with us, is out in California. But they've just been doing this forever. So in a, in a particular native way, in, in, traditionally, um, if someone was sick, you know, a shaman might say, oh, see a doctor for this thing, see us for this, because they believe there's always a spiritual aspect underlying um, 
maybe some illness and imbalance. And cranial sacral therapy, the advanced courses in somato-emotional release, we're not just dealing with the physical, which is mostly what I've talked about here, yeah. but we're also dealing with the mental, emotional, and spiritual as well. So in the advanced work, when I teach this in my advanced program with students, they also work on that level as well. Because there can be an imbalance on a spiritual level as well that maybe that's why people don't want to remember it because something's too painful. Uh, so if you deal with that and people feel resolved, if people feel safe and they feel complete, then they're willing to say, well, maybe we could do this in a different way. But they really need, need to feel safe to do that. So that's part of what we do in the advanced work as well, in these multi-intensive programs that I talked about. I'm so glad that you opened the site up. I know that obviously it's kind of like the, you know, the underlayer of your onion, but seriously, this is so fun yeah. to hear because yeah. it is so connected. And I love that you're integrating all of it. Well, thank oh. you. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on. I just, I know that my audience is going to love you and they just, I know that for me, it's just so important to see people like you doing, I mean, it might not have been your plan, but you are all in and you're making big moves. And I just, I'm so grateful for you being just on the forefront and your audacious goal of five years. I think it's doable. So I hope I can help out in any way. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for your support and your enthusiasm. For sure.